Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And God, that is the cry of our heart this morning, that you are magnified in us. God, let us glorify you in everything that we do. Father, we pray that as we hear your words spoken to us this morning, Lord, that you would open our hearts just to receive what you have for us. God, change in us what you need to change in us. Let us become more like you today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time of worship, and we thank you for this time that we get to hear your words spoken. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And um, I appreciate Brother Lee's invitation, but also his example of feeling like uh, it's best to preach without a mask. I tell you what, that, I'm not against them terribly, but that would be a real challenge. Um, so why am I here today? This was supposed to be the uh, sort of a parting, going away sermon, and some of you may sit there going, what in the world is he doing? What do you mean he's going away? Um, I'm going to show you a little something in a minute, guys. Don't start it yet. I'll give you the high sign when it's time. Um, but um, Ann and I have been going through for several months now a sense of God's reawakening or re-stirring up of call to missions as we've been so involved in for so many years. And uh, it came into fruition and came to focus. Oh, I'm guessing she and I sat down last night trying to kind of go back through the calendar. Now, when did this happen and when did this happen? Um, basically mid to uh, late March of this year. And the culmination of it has been uh, that I've been invited to be the chaplain at uh, Dakar Academy in Dakar, Senegal. Now, immediately, many of you that are geographically challenged are going, Senegal, where in the world is that? Now's the time. A picture is worth a thousand words. So, guys, you got the video ready? Let her roll. This will help you. community that's here is so evident and my children notice that I notice it as a mom I notice it as a staff member that it's it's a genuine love a genuine Christ God honoring environment that is wonderful for your children I mean you couldn't ask for anything more for your children to grow up in that type of environment this is the healthiest place I've lived uh, because you have a community with a common purpose in mind common goals and trying uh, to love each other well and trying to, to care for each other, support each other, and serve each other. We're not just interested in their academic success, we're interested in their entire success. And I think that's something you can't really get anywhere else. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, and if you're still geographically challenged, Senegal is the westernmost country on the African continent. In fact, when we lived there years ago, uh, it was sort of a, a cool and kind of eerie feeling. There's a restaurant out on one beach on the west side of town, and they built a pier going out. I think they did 
I'm not sure, fishing or something, but you could go to the end of the pier and have the distinct feeling that if I could take one really big step, I would be in South America. I mean, it is literally the westernmost tip of the African continent. And so um, this is not a new location for us. Uh, we served in that city for about 15 months, uh, about 25 years ago, and then in the more expanded area for about four years. So about five and a half years in that area, Lindy, our precious daughter, graduated from that school. Uh, our middle daughter, Jennifer, also graduated from that school. John, uh, two years maybe, a year and a half, something like that, our son, he was actually in the dormitory that's on campus there. So it is a sense of, of return. In fact, as this, this call came into kind of focus and we uh, agreed with God that this is the next step, um, Anna and I, in June of 99, left Africa to come back to the United States, what we thought would be a short term, and it ended up to be 21 years later. And so as we were praising God and uh, thinking about where this was headed, um, it, it just kind of came to us together uh, that uh, we need to call this our African Encore Ministry. Uh, going back um, and to, uh, who knows where God is gonna lead it after that. And that's not really our concern right now. It's basically, uh, this is where he's leading right now. And so starting in about early April and then up to today, making our own plans to get ready to go and a variety of things. Uh, which led me to the sermon that I wanna share with you today. It's sort of, uh, this is my speaking to myself of what I've been going through and Anne's been going through over these last few months in light of the uh, environment that we're living in now with the uh, COVID situation. I tried to think of, you know, a good, a good sermon, a good pastor is gonna have a title for his sermon and uh, what would be a good title. And so the scripture that I was drawn to in 2 Corinthians um, has a couple of words in the text that I've chosen today. And I went, that's it. That's the, that's the title right there. The words are pressed, perplexed, and knocked down. Now I'll give you the scripture passage in just a second because I do want you to follow along with it. <clears throat> but one of the, um, I guess you would call him a blogger. I'm not really sure if that's a, totally accurate. He's a, he's a writer uh, that I go to a great, great deal. He's a, he's a friend from years back. He's been a pastor. He's been a professor at seminary. Um, he's just done a variety of things. He's a tremendous writer. And one of his special gifts is to look at the day's news. And sometimes when I've read what he's written, I'm thinking, he got up real early in the morning to see this news to be able to, to address it. But looking at the news of the world through scriptural eyes and from God's perspective. So uh, I think it would have been last Wednesday's entry. You'll see why Wednesday is appropriate. This is what he wrote. The year 2020 began as it did in 1973 with an impeachment. And then it became like 1918 with a pandemic. And then it felt like 2008, but hopefully not 1929 with the recession. And then it was followed by 1968 with civil rights protests. And then there was the shocking news of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven others who died in a helicopter crash. Then we were captivated in a terrible way by the wildfires that seemed to be consuming the entire Australian continent. Horrible wildfires. And then locusts swarmed over East Africa. 
Now, let me pause here for just a second. We have seen locust swarms, not to this degree. It's a terrifying sight when locusts into the tens of millions are swarming over uh, agricultural lands. Well, we didn't hear much about it because it was from a part of Africa that doesn't get a lot of news, but it happened. And then there was the news of earthquakes that struck <clears throat> Turkey and the Caribbean. And then this was his punchline. As of today, Wednesday, July 1st, year's only half over. And I read that and I went, oh my gosh, all of that and the year's only half over? What in the world is the second half of our year going to be like? And then that led me to the questions that I asked myself, and these are the questions I want to ask you to get us to start thinking and get some answers from Scripture. So do you, dear friend, do you feel like you're reeling, like you've been struck a blow? Do you feel disoriented? Do you feel despair? How about do you feel yourself getting angry and frustrated? Now, you notice I'm not asking for a show of hands at this point. Uh, do you feel yourself longing for the good old days? Do you just feel like you can't take any more? Well, I'm going to go out on a pretty solid assumption limb and assume that every one of us in this room right here today could answer yes to any one of those questions. I hope you don't have to answer yes to all six of them, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do. We really have just been hit and hit and hit and hit with all of this stuff. Just where's it going to go next? Where's it going to go next? Do I have to wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I get close to you? Do I not get close to you? Can I go in and eat here? Can I go in and eat there? What do I do? It's terrible. So that takes me to the scripture I want us to look at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 7, but I'm going to kind of move around a little bit in that chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Actually 6, let's back up to 6. Now, I have preached enough here at this pulpit that I think uh, it would not be a surprise to any of you to uh, hear me say that I turn to the Apostle Paul a great deal. Uh, I probably ought to stay in the Gospels a little bit more, but I'm telling you, I guess it's because of my life. I'm just drawn to Paul and his, his words and his life and his example. And this is one of them. And so Paul says in verse 6, and I'm reading from the New Living Testament. That's one of my favorite translations. For God said, oh, excuse me, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now this is my verse, verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. That's key verses there. Because in light of our situation and in light of Paul's own situation, he had to have a foundation that was absolutely unshakable. Absolutely unshakable. And he lays it out right there. He calls it in this context, in this verse. And remember, by the way, I should have said this to start with. Always remember when you're reading Paul's writings, he's writing letters to friends. He's just sitting down writing a letter. And this is what it is. It's to the church in Corinth. And he reminds them that God made light to shine in the darkness. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus was the light of the world. He brought light into the world. 
to, to chase away the darkness. And we can know that, he says in verse 6, we could know the glory of God. And he says, we now have that light shining in our hearts. That's a foundation that is absolutely unshakable. But he also says, uh, I'm not quite so sure of the vessel that houses that light. Uh, it's like a, an amazing treasure, as he says it, it's in fragile clay jars. Well, you know what that says to me? It says to me, you don't focus on the vessel, you focus on the treasure. And that's that light of Jesus Christ. We just saw that portrayed in the baptism earlier. The light of Christ is coming to the life. And that light is there to shine in the darkness. And the latter part of verse 7 says, This makes it clear that our great power, and Paul admits, there is great power in his life, but it's not from him. That great power is from God because of the light of Christ that was in Paul's life. So there's your foundation. It is laid. It is absolutely solid. It is absolutely secure. Now there is some false teaching that is either blatantly shared or it's suggested and you can hear it a lot and that is accept Jesus and you'll never have any problems in the rest of your life. That's baloney. I'm sorry, that's not a spiritual word. Um, that is falsehood. It is not true. Uh, or Lee, is spiritual baloney, is that a... All right, it's spiritual baloney. Um, that's absolutely wrong because we all know that the only way that we're not going to have difficulties is not to be in this life. Uh, so in this life, there's turmoil. In this life, there's tribulation. Apostle Peter tells us that. In this life, there are challenges. That's what makes the foundation even more secure or more important. And in verse 8, Paul starts down. I've read this so many times, but I guess it's because of where I am right now uh, on this day with this next chapter of our lives and getting ready to move and go and all this. Read these next verses and I go, oh, wow. It just, it just jumps out. Now, I'm going to do something here. If you'll just follow me a little bit. I'm going to chop the verses up just a little bit because I want to do the bad and then the good. See? So follow along. Verse 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Okay? Paul says, we, and that's the, uh, what do you call it? The royal we. It, it means me, I, Paul. I am pressed on every side by troubles. Now, as a good student of the Bible, I looked up in my handy-dandy uh, layman's Greek to try to get a little deeper nuance of what he means when he says, I am pressed. And the first thing that comes up is that's an illustration of a wine press or an olive press. Anybody ever seen an olive or a wine press? Um, olive press is pretty amazing. Two stones, a round one, and then another one on top that goes around. And I guarantee you, it crushes those olives. It really does crush them. It crushes the, the, the fleshy part. It crushes the seeds. It extracts the oil. Uh, it's a powerful force. And so use that as your mental image of Paul being the olive that's being pressed on every side. That's not a pretty picture. But then there was another illustration, and I really like this one. Where's my buddy Nathan? Is Nathan in here? Yes, sir, I see that hand. Okay, it's also a wrestling analogy a wrestling illustration you know think of the greco-roman wrestling in the in the games that they would have in those days and so nathan is there such a thing as a wrestling hold that you can get somebody in that you just li almost literally i don't know i'm not a wrestler get away from that you can break loose from 
No, I, I'll pass on that. I have some that I can pick out if you'd like. No, I'll tell you what, you get Dustin Dickinson and put him. No. So, yeah, think of it. You're, you're in a wrestling match and your opponent gets you in some kind of a hold. I don't know what it would be called, but you get in a hold and all of a sudden you feel yourself going, I'm toast. I can't get out of this. I have no leverage. I can't get an arm here. I can't get an arm there. I'm sunk. Both of those, either of those pictures is an accurate picture of how Paul is describing his life. It's not a pretty picture, is it? All right, skip to the next sentence if you have, you're in a new living like I do. And it says we're perplexed. All right, now let's talk about perplexed. I think of the word perplexed and I think of uh, basically just the idea of I'm confused. You know, I, I'm perplexed, I'm confused. And that's accurate. There's nothing wrong with that. The Greek word, though, adds an intensity to it. It's not just, I'm perplexed, I'm confused, I don't know what to do. It means, I don't have a clue. I am absolutely at wit's end. I, I've looked everywhere. I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this, I've tried that. I have no clue at all whatsoever. Not a good situation, is it? All right, skip to the next sentence. Now this is verse nine in my version. We are hunted down. Look through Paul's life, especially if you go into the book of Acts towards the latter chapters um, as Paul is making his way towards um, Jerusalem on that final journey. Um, he was literally hunted down. There were people who were so, <clears throat> excuse me, so angry at him and wanted him off this planet so badly that a group of assassins was uh, put in place to target him and to find him, ruthlessly hunt him down and kill him, doing anything they possibly could. Now, how would you like to be the target of a group like that? Where you're never sure where you're going to turn and there might be one of those assassins ready to do you in. That is not a pleasant way to live your life, hunted down. And then at the latter part of that same verse, it says we get knocked down. And that's kind of back to me an illustration of boxing. You know, you're sparring, you're getting your blows in, <clears throat> but then your opponent gets the blow and he just decks you. And you are absolutely down. You know, anybody remember the Rocky movies, Mr. T? When he hits you, you are down. You are down for the count. Um, not a real good way to live. Now, remember back how it started this, Paul's foundation. His foundation was in Christ. He had no doubt about that. But then the situations came that we just read about. So what is the, what is the answer? What, what, how could Paul respond in light of all these realities? And please understand something very clearly. Those were realities. We should never deny that those kinds of realities, difficulties like that are a part of our lives. You have to admit it. But the key thing is, how do you respond? So let's back up now. When he was pressed in, that olive press, that wrestling hold, how did he respond? I'm not crushed. Now, if I was in that olive press, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's the power of God to keep him from being crushed. If I was in that, that wrestling hold that couldn't be escaped from, I've got a way out. I, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. 
I'm perplexed. I've, I've gotten to my wit's end. I have absolutely no answer at all. But I'm not despairing. How, how's that possible? How's that possible? Well, it's possible because of Christ. He says, we're hunted down. We're absolutely hunted down. But we're never abandoned by God. Does that call forth some some uh, memories of some of the things that Jesus would say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And it's one thing for a human being to say, I'll always be at your side. And it's a totally different thing for God to say, I will never abandon you. There's hope in that. Even though you were hunted on every side by people who want to do harm to you, even though the situation seems like it's just hunt here, hunt here, I'm, I can't get away, You'll never, ever, ever be abandoned by God. And then we're knocked down, but we're not destroyed. There's Paul's response. He goes on to finish that little segment of verse 10, though suffering, through suffering rather, our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. I want to challenge you to read through the rest of this chapter, but I want to get close to the ending part of it because... The foundation was his certainty of having Christ in his life. The reality of his situation was such that he had a fallback. He had a way to say, I'm not despairing. I'm not giving up. I'm not abandoned. I'm not destroyed. And I think the, the answer to how he was able to do that is he had life in proper perspective. Um, he, was, he, he knew exactly how to focus himself and to keep himself on track. And that's what we read starting in verses 16 to the end. You know, there's, there's something to be said about, um, I wouldn't call them modern translations as much as common translations. Uh, it, they're not poetic, it's just, just pure words. And this is one of them, verse 16. That, that is why we never give up. That, that is such a simple statement. But we think about the, the pressing and the perplexion and, and the hunting down and being knocked down to be able to say, I'm never giving up. I'm absolutely never giving up because of my faith in Christ. He goes on to say, even though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed each day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Again, I'm drawn back in that verse 17 to make, uh, to see the admission of, of the realities, the two realities. Our present troubles, they are present troubles, but they're not going to last forever. He calls them small. I, I read another translation, I think it might have been the message that said, Our present troubles are small potatoes. You know, they're just, they're just nothing. And they're not going to last forever. Now, I want to be, be very clear with you and very transparent. On today, July 5th, 2020, I read that sentence that said they won't last very long. And I'm going, well, when are they going to last? I mean, when are they going to end? They are going to end. They, they, they will end. But I'm in the middle of it. And so I have to hold on to what Paul is saying. And, and this one's a tough one too. They produce for us a glory 
that vastly outweighs them. They, the present troubles, produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs the present troubles. And we can only do that by the power of God that is in us. There's no other way it can happen. It's only by God's power. And that glory will last forever. Present troubles, small potatoes. They're going to end. The glory that shines will last, far outweighs them and it'll last forever. And in verse 18, uh, highlight this one, underline this one, go back and meditate on this one. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That's Paul's words to us in, in an especially difficult time right now as we just, we're struggling in a lot of ways. You know, people are losing jobs. People are having, um, I still remember, thankfully I haven't had to live through it, those early stories probably, probably in mid-May or so, uh, late May, of people uh, not being able to be with loved ones as they're passing because hospitals had these strict rules. You know, th those are tough things. They're very, very tough. But we have this word from God that will give us, it it's there for us. We have to embrace it. And I, I say to you uh, in these last few weeks of our getting ready to go, which has been absolutely crystal clear, there's no doubt in our minds this is where God's leading. Um, it's been it's been a little bit tough for some uh, different reasons for me to be able to say this and to take this and to embrace this. But I'm so grateful we have this word because I can take it, I can embrace it, and I can say, Lord, uh, even so, let's make this thing end. But I'm so grateful I have your power, your strength in my life right now. So the African Encore, uh, we're moving on. We will be back. I started to use a Terminator joke, but that's not really good, is it? Um, we get to come home every summer uh, because it's a school situation. And when school is out in June, you're free to do whatever you want to. So we'll be back for um, uh, several weeks each summer. Uh, this is a two-year contract that's extendable to three years. And so um, I'm, we're, we're hoping that we can do it for the three years. Uh, we'll stay in touch through uh, the church, through the newsletters, a variety of things, so many friends and family and so forth. Uh, it's going to be a great adventure, and uh, we look for you uh, to support us in prayer as much as you possibly can and whenever God brings you to mind. But here's my word for you in return. Um, each one of us has a mission in life. Uh, we are all witnesses for Jesus Christ. The day that we accept Christ, we become his witness. I don't know where your paths are leading you in these COVID days. Um, life does not stop. Ministry does not stop when a COVID situation hits. Uh, ministry can and should continue in the same way? Maybe not. Probably not. But it can and should continue because no virus, no pandemic, no power on earth can stop the movement of God and the ministry of God and the ministry of God's people. We just find a different way to do it. 
So that's my prayer for you in return. Uh, as we follow, we're still going to get the newsletter each week or each whenever it comes out. And uh, we appreciate that very much. We'll be able to follow you guys too. And I did want to say one more thing, just as a word of thanks. Um, I love the staff that I was able to work on, work with. I'll miss that uh, on an official basis. But one person I've had a great deal, didn't know him very well, but um, got to know him better. Uh, found out we have a lot in common. We kind of think crazy in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, I want to say thanks to James Greenway for his help in putting together these videos. Um, he's been the kindest guy when he'll say, Steve, you got your sermon notes ready? We've got to get it in the bulletin. I go, James, when do you leave work today? Maybe I can get it by then. Uh, he's been a sweet guy, and I appreciate him very much, as I do all the staff. So with that, let me just say a very short prayer, then I'll turn the rest of the service over to Pastor Lee. Father God, I want to thank you that uh, you led me to this scripture today to share from my heart with these dear friends and also to hopefully bring a word of encouragement uh, as we all struggle in different ways in this very first time ever for us situation. It's a, a terrible challenge, but also a great opportunity to let your glory shine. And that's my prayer is that your glory will shine through me, but also through all of our friends here at this church as we continue to witness for you in this section of, uh, of this world. Thank you so much, Lord. Pray with all this in Christ's name. Amen.